Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and today I'm here with Chandler Renoy. Hey, hey. And a former co-host of, I don't know, probably on for a couple of years, uh, at least 100 episodes, uh, we have... He's in addition to co-hosting the five leadership questions podcast. He's also done a few other things. He was in my wedding uh, and uh, we did student ministry together. He wrote simple church with, uh, uh, with Tom Rayner and man um, identity and other, uh, other books designed to lead, which is a great book. Chapters seven through nine are the best because they're on pipeline. Um, but Eric Geiger is on here with us today. Man, I'm honored to be back. This is a reminiscent time for me. It's always <laughs> nostalgic. Good to, good to see both you guys. Great to Absolutely. see you. Many, many would say those were the glory years of the Five Leadership Questions podcast. You know, Todd was always saying, you know, yeah. Eric just carried the podcast. I was just along for the ride. Always, always. <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed that Todd, Todd had missed that. That's, that's amazing <laughs> that he would admit that those were the glory years. Exactly. Well, we're, we're excited today to talk about uh, a how to read to grow as a leader. You know, we're trying to focus in on conversations of more how to five, five questions on how to a topic. And we, we were looking at kind of the ideas and we're like, Hey, we all love reading, but let's talk about the why behind it. And then how leaders overall can do it effectively. And, uh, we'd love to have, you know, you dare join us during this conversation because we know, uh, you are a ferocious leader, uh, that loves to read, to loves to learn. So we'd love to have a conversation around that. So just to set up the conversation, we'd love to hop in and ask the question, why is reading important for a leader? It's a great question. John Wesley said to a group of pastors one day, read or get out of the ministry. So it, it wasn't in his mind, just something that leaders in the marketplace should do, but it was, you know, ministry leaders, pastoral leaders that should, should read. I mean, that's a strong statement, read or get out of the ministry. I've thought, why would he say that? Because Wesley is known as not only reading theology, which he did, but he would read a multitude of disciplines and I, I think for Wesley, and I know for me, that reading is a big part of my growth intellectually, my growth organizationally, my growth spiritually. So there's the discipline of reading that, you know, you're choosing to put some other things out of the way to sit down, open a book and, and read. So there's discipline there. There's humility there because you are saying, I, I need to learn from somebody else. I want someone else to to speak into whatever I'm thinking or whatever I'm wrestling with. So you combine the, the humility of opening the book, the discipline of opening the book. I think that's a, a recipe for growth, uh, discipline and humility. You know, if you have discipline and humility, you, you're like in the desire to grow, you're going to grow. So there's growing that happens in a leader. So that's important. And I also believe that the more I read, the more I'm able to articulate strategy, vision, uh, concise arguments, because you, it's not only the content that you are gleaning from, from authors, but you are seeing how they frame the content. And as a leader, it's not only the direction that you are bringing a group of people or the message that you're articulating to a group of people, but 
while the content is chiefly important, so is how we frame the content. And reading is written communication. So we learn not only the content, but we learn effective ways to frame and articulate content. So, so I think, you know, if I, if I had to sum up in one sentence, I would say reading is important for the leader because the leader grows and the leader learns how to frame communication. I think the leader is also framing what leadership is um, by learning in front of people uh, and taking them along. They're, they're setting a bar there of, you know, Hey, this is an expectation of any leader and they're leading by example uh, by reading and by, you know, talking about that. It's not just bragging about reading. It is, we all know that we imbibe something uh, by teaching it. Like we learn it more. We, we hold ourselves accountable, you know, all these things. A lot of times we're reading and teaching uh, side by side. And there are things that we're working on. Uh, It's not that we're experts or anything. It's things that we're working on. We're seeking to uh, learn ourselves, but we're also seeking to lead people through uh, what we're learning because we feel like it helps us, but it also helps our team. You know, one of the things, Eric, I remember uh, when, during your time at Lifeway, we we're in this young leaders cohort that uh, you you helped lead. And I remember you sharing about when you first came to Lifeway, you know, you, you came from the church uh, into an organization like Lifeway. And you said, hey, I had to read on a lot of things that were outside of, you know, my my background and my discipline. Um, would love to learn. Would love to hear a little bit about, like, why was reading so important for you just stepping into a new discipline and then even, you know, from your jump back into the church, how has reading helped you lead in new new spaces and new disciplines as well? To me, the advantage of reading when you're learning something is that you can devour as much as you desire and you can prepare yourself ahead of time for conversation. So I, I finance in the church world is it's more simple than in, uh, you know, the marketplace or even non-for-profit leadership that I was in at Lifeway where at the church, it's basically, you have revenue, you know, giving, and then you have expenses and, and you, it's not, I'm not saying it's super easy. You have to manage that closely, but there was terms when I went to Lifeway that I had never known, you know, margin, scrap, obsolescence, gross margin. There's, there's not a seminary class for all that. No, it was, <laughs> there was so many terms, you know, um, the depreciation schedule. I mean, all, all things that were just new space for me. And I was finding myself in meetings where those terms were used. And I, I just did not feel as prepared to have intellectual conversations on uh, that. I just felt behind. And so this is what, what's beautiful about reading is you can, prepare yourself if you're going to do the work. And, and I could school myself up and I did in a really quick order. I I, remember I went to all of the, the most famous MBA schools in the, in the country and went to their um, syllabuses that were posted online, you know, whether Wharton or Harvard, um, Stanford, uh, their MBA programs. And I just, I just looked for books on finance and, I started in September and I spent that whole Christmas season reading, I don't know, six, eight books on finance and then wrote down questions and then went back to 
the CFO right after the Christmas break and said, all right, here's the questions I have. This is this term. I think we use a different term here, but it's the same thing. Right. And I just uh, chose to throw myself into learning that, that discipline. It doesn't mean I enjoy, it was still not my favorite discipline, you know, but I know I had to have a baseline understanding to lead in my role with effectiveness. And um, so reading, gosh, what a gift that was to be able to order those books and, and learn from others who, who have written on that, that subject. So when you do that, so I can remember these times where you would go deep into the rabbit hole in marketing and communication or in, in different subject matter. And how do you, uh, as a leader, how do you not couch that? How how do you uh, position that? What posture do you walk into with the CFO or with the, you know, director of marketing or whoever, how do you, what type of posture do you come in with when you're meeting with them so that they understand why, because that's probably not normal uh, for them to have somebody go as deeply as, as you would go into it with. So, so for, for church leaders and business leaders that are listening to this, when you go into someone's discipline, right. Um, how do you do that in a way that, you know, is not, uh, I guess, offensive or seen as a positive thing, not a negative thing? I think from, from in my, my experience, Todd, they, they appreciated that I was valuing their discipline. You know, um, it, obviously it would, your posture would be super important. You know, you can't assume, <laughs> I never assumed that because I read eight books on finance, I could now be a CFO. You know, um, you have to be careful, you know, and we know young leaders who like, they think they know everything because they read a book. It's very (laughs) different between reading and then actually practicing what you've read for a sustained period of time. So I didn't go in with a posture of now I know how to do that job, but I went in with a posture of, hey, I want to be sure in conversations and overall direction I'm giving that I have a proper understanding of this discipline. And so here's what I've read. Here's questions I have. And I think it's, it's also uh, good to know that some disciplines don't change that much. So the financial discipline probably hasn't changed a ton. I mean, there's still, you know, there's a gap account, like there's accounting principles that remain. The marketing discipline though has changed significantly in the last decade. So somebody who has a marketing MBA in early 2000, the books that they read are likely not the practice of the marketing discipline today. So, um, and I, and I, and I'd say you, you actually can leapfrog some, some people on your own teams. If you just work and read and try to implement what you read, because if they are in a discipline that has changed a ton and they haven't kept up the, their degree was for a former time period. Hmm. Well, as you're, as you're reading all these books and, you know, for a leader who picks up a book and says, Hey, I, I've learned, I want to learn as much as I can out of this. How should a leader read a book? Because it's not just picking it up and going through, you know, chapter by chapter. Sometimes there is a way to systematically read a book to get the most out of it. So how would, how would you suggest for somebody to read a book? I think 
it's good to know in the front end how you're going to engage the book. I think Oswald Sanders in the book, spiritual leadership said, you know, some books are meant to be devoured, studied deeply. And some, some are meant to be casually read. So going in, you know, you want to know what your what the point is on, on reading. Um, so I, like my, my, uh, I know this is a podcast, so they won't be able to see, but you guys can see. So there's, there's books on the top shelf there, um, that I've read just the last couple of weeks, but that is because I'm about to do a sermon series on anxiety. So I ordered 12 books, you know, from, you know, Christians, but also just respected doctors and psychologists and some of each of those books I read differently. So if it was a research-based book, I'm, I'm reading for a couple of nuggets for points I already have. If it was a, a, a book based on uh, the text that I'd be teaching, I, I, I went a lot more deeply. So I think know on the front end how you're going to engage the book. Are you looking for a couple of nuggets? You know, then, then that's, that's, you know, you're, you're reading more quickly. If, you're looking, if this book's going to be a paradigm-shifting book for you or... Um, and a deep dive like those finance reads were for me, then it's, it's a much um, slower put down the book after that chapter, write out some thoughts. So I think going into each book, knowing the point of reading that book uh, informs how you engage. You know, as you're talking about, you're about to do a sermon series on anxiety. And I know for many people listening to this, they are uh, also preparing sermons. They're they're reading, trying to uh, curate the content, the notes that they can pull from to be able to, to preach on that topic. So for you, would love to hear, how does reading help influence your preaching and how do you, I know you talked about, Hey, you're, you're, if it's a research book, you're looking for that one nugget, but you know, just to get really practical, how do you take what you're reading and, you know, put kind of some notes together then know what to pull from that. Take us through the process of those 12 books, you know, you're ideating on yeah. the sermon series, then going into, okay, now here's the actual sermons that we're preaching. How do you take what you're right. learning, you're reading and actually applying it and curating it into your sermons? So I mark up books like crazy. And then, you know, if there's something on page 16, that is super insightful, I'm marking it up, I'm writing in the margin. And then in the back of the book where there have excess pages or even on the back cover, I'll put page 16 and write down what I learned. And that therefore I'm not getting up and going to a document and typing it in. And then often at the end of reading, I'll, I'll grab several things and put it into a document. So for a sermon series, for sure, that's what I do. If it's a leadership book, I may not do that. I might just know I have notes in the back of the book, but I definitely mark up the book, put page number and, uh, you know, a cue, <coughs> excuse me, a cue of what that's about in the back of the book. And then sometimes I take another step and do a word document on overall, uh, you know, notes from the book, but not, but not always depending on the use. Love that. Now, Todd, you may even want to answer this one too, because uh, I know when I started, uh, joined your team, it was always executive summaries of books and, you know, a quick skim of what the book is and kind of, you know, putting in the notes in that. You, maybe this is a question for both of you all. Do you ever write out if it's a very formative book? I know you're talking about the notes on the front and the back and your document, but do you ever just quickly write up an executive summary for you to be able to, to have your notes on for that book? 
I'll say this. Um, the, the best thing that ever happened to me was I, in seminary, I got um, kind of mentored uh, by a, a pastor and he would have me read leadership books and then create executive summaries of those books. Um, I also did some sermon research and different things for him like that. But it was one of the best things uh, that ever happened to me because it really helped me uh, learn how to read a book as well. If you, if you look at uh, a lot of my books, it would be similar to Eric's um, where it, you would see a page number and you would see some kind of mental thing to maybe, you know, flash a memory. Um, once executive summaries started becoming uh, more pronounced, um, most of the executive summaries I have are actually from books that I've read. Um, it sounds really weird. It's not necessarily to, um, you know, read the summary instead of reading the book. It is to have something that I can look at uh, in 20 minutes that has, you know, a, a summary, but then I've taken and then put some of my notes in there. Now I don't do that for every book. Um, I will say this, uh, it's just as important to know when to stop reading a book. Yes. So the way, just because you start reading a book, you're not a failure uh, if you stop reading it. In fact, you, you're failing yourself <laughs> and those you lead if you finish uh, probably about half the books that you pick up. I'm sorry, but it's true. Uh, and, and so, you know, um, I, I go through and I'm really, first of all, looking at the front and back, you know, some of the stuff that you would do, I'll read, uh, I may read one entire chapter but most of the time I'm looking at the, it's really, it sounds really weird, but I look at the beginning of the book. I look at the beginning and end of the chapter. I'll read a chapter and decide how much I like it. Uh, and then I'll go through. And a lot of times I'm just reading the first and last sentence of each paragraph. Um, I can get enough out of that to know whether or not I want to read the paragraph. So it's a really weird thing for me of, it's almost like a funnel uh, <laughs> of how much commitment I, I'm giving this. And it's weird, but I, this, that's just the way my brain works. And, um, you know, it, it's important to me uh, uh, to make sure the time that I get to read um, is not as much as it used to be because I have four kids and a different job and all that. So I do not want to waste my time. I'm going to get not just to, look around or, or, you know, be on some journey. And I know a lot of people talk about pleasure reading and fiction and I'll do this, some of that with my kids, but that's the only time I do it these days. <laughs> well, this, this may be a little controversial, uh, Eric, do you consider if you listen to an audiobook, would it be, re would it count as reading a book? Yeah, it would. It, it, to me, it's not as effective with my system of learning. And it might just because I've got, used to reading books the way that I do read them. But yeah, I've, I've done some, I just don't retain near as much. And mainly I can't go back and, and pull the, the nuggets out from them. And, and I'm not as disciplined as Todd is with the executive summaries. So, you know, mine hearing him talk about it is I'm like, man, I'm, where would I be if I had been doing that? But you know, he, he's a little, he's, he's a little freakish sometimes. So I'll, I'll let him, I'll let him have that. I'll wait for the, the next question. I'm going to let Eric answer first, just because we're probably going to say um, the same list of, of, of books.
Let's face it, you didn't become a pastor to be an accountant, and you didn't attend seminary to learn about software. Still, managing money is crucial for any thriving organization, which means if you're doing anything wrong, then you're risking the financial health and vitality of your church. Thankfully, our friends at Belay know this well. Belay, an innovative staffing solution with over 10 years of experience serving churches, has successfully matched thousands of organizations with experienced US-based virtual bookkeepers, virtual assistants, and social media strategists. And they are offering all of our podcast listeners a free download of their resource, Five Ways a Church Bookkeeper Can Transform Your Day, which shares the five most positive changes that will come out of hiring a bookkeeper for your church. So just text LIFEWAY to 55123. That's L-I-F-E-W-A-Y to 55123 for your free download. And if you do so, you will be one step closer to reclaiming precious time every week to do what only you can do. Now, back to the podcast. What are your What are your top five books to read as a leader? So if you could share with somebody a list of the top five for them to start with, yeah. what would you share? Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get five that that I think hit different categories within the realm of leadership. So the first and most important would be the character of a leader, the the heart of a leader. If the as a you know as a Christian leader, for me, being a leader is mainly about being a follower of Jesus, having the fruit of the Spirit, being surrendered to Him, following Him before I attempt to lead others. And the book. Spiritual leadership by um, Oswald Sanders is 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 one that Todd and I have, we've read it together in multiple uh, contexts. So that's number one for me. Then leadership's often about a new direction or about change, and I think still the classic book on change management by John Cotter called Leading Change is is one I've recommended to a lot of people. Then when it comes to leading individuals, basically, how do you lead a person on the team? Not, not broad organizational leadership, but serving and caring for each person really well. The Blanchard situational leadership model, and it's really captured in leadership in the one minute manager. It, I, I like it because it's servant based leadership. You, you as the leader adjusting to the people that you lead and having clear understanding of here's where they need direction. Here's where you can, you know, swing all the way over to delegation. So as leadership, the one minute manager, um, when it comes to execution or getting things done on a broad organizational scale, the book four disciplines of execution is a model that I think is really helpful. It's just a sticky framework. And then the last one I, I, I did not have until recently. And I, I don't know if it's only going to be, during the pandemic type of read. And I give Todd Atkins um, credit for being the one who recommended it to me. So early in the pandemic, he recommended a beautiful constraint, which was uh, really helpful, man. It, it, it became language that I used with our leadership team here as we looked for how can the pandemic actually be and um, spur on things that we had planned for God's kingdom. Instead of it slowing us down, how could we actually view the pandemic as an accelerant um, and, and even offer transformational leadership to our people because of um, the pandemic? So that's my fifth one. That's not been one for long. And I don't know if it will be one post the, the pandemic, but it's been one that was helpful for the last 18 months. 
So to sum them up, spiritual leadership, Sanders, leading change, Cotter, leadership and one minute man- manager, Blanchard, four disciplines of execution, Covey, and beautiful constraint. And I don't even know who the author is. <laughs> Just know the book. I mean, come on. There's yeah. also, you're going to have to have a sixth option, right? Six man of the year would be designed to lead, right? <laughs> no, heck no, no, no. They never, never recommend your own book. Ne- never do that. Don't even bury it in the list because then, because then people are like, that's the whole reason he made right. the list was so he could bury it's his like own bonus, book. Bonus right? book you should check out. You know? Don't even do it. Don't do that. Love it. Well, uh, I would have, I would have matched up on three of those, honestly. So spiritual, spiritual leadership, um, Sanders guys, here's why this is a really, really good read. Um, I can remember 20 plus years ago, uh, when we would take student leaders through that. Yep. Um, (laughs) it was actually that and 21 laws at the same time. And that was your idea. You, you thought it was, you you were like, it's of the Lord. They both have 21 chapters. They did. Todd was like, he was blown away. Like they both have 21 chapters. This must be a sign from God that we read them side by side. I don't know. That's how Todd thought back then. We were 23 years old. I don't know if that was exactly the case. The beautiful thing was you had um, something that was, you know, practical, really practical in 21 laws and really good. I mean, gosh, yes, it was. He's, it's a great book. And he's rewritten that book like 40 times and it's continued to sell. He has sold that same book (laughs) with under different titles, but it's a really good book. (laughs) Sorry, Maxwell, but it's a really good Uh, book. No, now, now Sanders, the reason why I say it's so important is because it can hit um, leaders at every level of your pipeline uh, because, uh, you know, a cursory read of it, it with a student, you know, they can read it in 10 minutes. Uh, they're not, not even 10 minutes and you can have a conversation and draw things out of it as you continue to go, you know, uh, higher in leadership and you come back and read that in a different season of life, it's going to hit you differently. Um, it's just so basic and, 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 and so good because there's, I don't know how many scripture references are in it, but it's insane. So, you know, once you mature a little bit and you come back and you read through those actual scripture references, it is, you appreciate it even more and you learn whatever principle is being shared there, you know, deeper still. And um, as you go through it again and you take others through it, you know, they ask questions. And I mean, I bet I've taken uh, over 200 people through that. And, and it had conversations with them. So hands down, it's, it's, it's number one. Um, and then 40 X I recommend on a regular basis. I won't go into, uh, too many more, but you know, that's, those are going to be classics. Um, I would say a new classic, if I'm throwing one in for uh, pandemic would be emotionally healthy leader. Um, yep. I think there's, uh, several people that have written things during the pandemic from, um, I mentioned in a recent podcast, uh, Ken Ball, um, wrote one Comer, um, just several people have really hit, you know, home on, Hey, during this time, you know, there's a lot of soul searching going on. There's a lot of people who, um, have resigned their ministry, uh, uh, you know, some, uh, some out of their own free will and some, it was kind of forced upon them because, uh, they were, they were kind of broken either mentally or spiritually during this time. So that's why I would say those. And, and I, I don't want to take away from our guests because I don't spend enough 
time with them and neither do our, uh, our people. So let's keep, keep going. What's the next question? Cool. Well, you know, let's say you read a book, uh, you, you know, somebody listening is like, man, I've had a book that impacted me super, uh, well, and it's kind of changed the way I think about leadership or maybe in our church, we want to do some things differently. And the thought is, Hey, I want everybody on staff, uh, to read through this book. Maybe it's some of your key leaders, but you know, sometimes that goes well. Other times that doesn't half the group comes in, they haven't read, or they just read a quick summary, which may be fine. But when should you ask your team and staff to read a book with you? And then do you have any best practices on what that might look like, Eric? Yeah, I think it was, you know, as I read a book, I'm always going to ask at the end, okay, what's one thing I'm adjusting from this? It could just be, I picked up a a suggestion, or it could be that was a paradigm shifting book, right? So if it was a paradigm shifting book, that's when I look to, okay, this is going to be something that I, I bring to the team because it's going to help them process where I believe we need to go. If it was a, just, I grabbed a couple of tactics from, from the book. I'm still super thankful for the book, but it doesn't mean that I bring it, you know, I bring it to the team. Right. So it, it depends on what the book accomplished in my life or, or how God used the book in my life. And then was that book something that I believe is going to be extremely valuable for the team to work through together. Sometimes there are books that are extremely valuable, but I might give those individually to people based on their role. You know, um, like I'm thinking about the, those finance books that I read or the marketing books that I read when I was at Lifeway. Uh, some of those were ones that I, I grabbed some things from and I, I wanted to have, Basically, when you read a book alongside someone, whether it's in just one or two people in your team or your whole team, you're looking for some shared nomenclature and some shared understanding. And so if I read a book that was, I think, super relevant to one area, I might give it to that area. But if it, but for it to pass the gate to be read through with the whole team, it, it would be that this is, this is relevant for all of us to read together for the, for the shared nomenclature. So honestly, as much as I'm a ferocious reader, I don't think I do that as much as I, as I once did. Um, I don't don't know why, maybe it's because I do more of the individual ones, um, specific to different areas. And, and I don't want to get into the, uh, idea that, you know, we're constantly changing our overall direction with, every time a new book comes out. Yeah. So hearing you talk about that, the the shared nomenclature, the shared language, like I know kind of what you're thinking because we're kind of reading from the same books uh, oftentimes. So when you, you know, you jumped into Mariners, you know, you're trying to, to learn a new team. You're also trying to share the way that you, you process the way you think about ministry. Was that, you know, you said you did it kind of on an individual level. Was there, was that part of learning the culture and then them also learning the way that you kind of view ministry? Was there, you know, even they shared books that were part of Mariner's culture that you were, you read, yeah. you know, how did that work? No, I, I would ask, Hey, what, but I've asked it of individual teams. Like I remember Roddy Garcia is our outreach pastor asking, Hey, what, what three books really formed thinking on the outreach team? And I had read two of those three and then one I hadn't. So I read that book. Um, we, we currently with our pastors are reading through spiritual leadership right now. And so it's, uh, so, and I say, I don't practice it. I, I still practice. I'm just not, I think there was a season in my life when we were always reading through a book as a team. And I, and I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm leading that way now. There's always a, a book I'm recommending to somebody or pulling from, but 
not necessarily always having 30 minutes on the agenda for the book review time, which I, there was a time in my life when I did lead that way. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, to wrap this up, you know, somebody who's, who's listening goes, Hey, I love, I found myself really enjoying to read, but oftentimes when I read, I, I walk away and I don't exactly know how to apply what I just read. It kind of stays in theory. So any advice that you would share with, with leaders about how to apply what they read and put it into practice? Totally. And I think you gotta, you have to do that. Or, I mean, truly, not only will you lose a desire to read, but then you could lose even some credibility in your reading. Like this person's got, you know, a lot of books on the shelf, but not really seen any of this put into practice. So I think the, the best way is to identify on the tail end of a book, what, what are a couple of things that you're going to do? You know, what's the, the takeaway now, oftentimes authors will do that for you, but I find that, or they try to, because they want that authors want, want you to have, have a now what at the end of the reading. But I look for, for now what's, throughout. It, it, it might be, I'm simply grabbing an illustration, which is helpful. Uh, or it might be, there's a, there's a teaching nugget that I'm going to share, or there's a, a change I'm making in, in a, in a practice of mine because of, um, because of reading. You know, one of the things that, um, that I learned early on, like one of the biggest things that I learned in coming to Lifeway was really digging back in and through uh, some of the archives, even, even in some of my own seminary books. And I, I found a formula that I think is really helpful. Um, and, and here it is, whether you go to ministry grid and you're looking at a coaching guide that goes along with a training, or you're looking at a lifeway study, one of the things that makes uh, it unique and special is this framework. You'll see a series of questions that are taking you through, you know, the arc of the story or the, the arc of, the, of, you know, the, the learning objective for whatever it is you're doing. And that is there's at least one question in each of these categories. There's five stages, general implications. So that's opinion, observation questions that almost anybody can answer. But as you're reading a book or you're reading a book with people, you would want to go through these five uh, stages. So think about it in this way. Hey, I want to ask a question in each one of these categories, general implication, personal implication, application, implementation. Okay. Now that's four. Here's the thing. If you want to reach ultimately actualization, there has to be feedback mm. that's added there. So it can't just be, Hey, we read this and we answer these questions. It has to be implemented. And then there has to be feedback on it in order for it to be actualized. There's this great book called design to lead. And in it, there's this framework of knowledge, experience, and coaching. And that's how you have transformation happen. It's not just a knowledge piece. Um, it has to be experience yeah. and coaching. That's what makes it special. And whether you're talking about something uh, from a growth in spiritual maturity or you're talking about uh, a skill, whether it's hard or soft, that's the process that you, you ultimately have to go through. But by doing these things intentionally, um, you're much, much more likely to get that return on your investment than if it just quote unquote happens organically. Oh, we're going to read this book together. Well, we all know how that turns out about half the time. And if you really want to, 
um, invest well, then you need to approach it intentionally with a, just a simple framework like that, that will really uh, help you succeed. Okay. Well, um, I think we've reached about the end of our time. So Eric, since we're talking about books and uh, I kind of want to know this question, um, if you, what, what's one or two books that you've read in the last year that you would suggest um, leaders read right now? And then we'll, we'll close out. Man, you know, I'm, I'm now, I'm now a senior pastor. <laughs> so <laughs> I read, I mean, I'm looking at my shelf right now. I mean, I Todd, I'm, I'm a different man, man. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing <laughs> sermons now. I'm not, I'm not reading finance books anymore. I'm not reading marketing books anymore. I'm, That's okay. I'm catching up, you know, cause this is a, this is the first time I've had this level of study from a senior, you know, I was executive pastor and teaching pastor. I taught a good bit, but I was always working on the organization right. a lot. Now I'm working on sermons a lot, which I love. It's my, my wife says I'm more godly now than I used to be. Um, and that's what happens when you spend more time in the Bible. So like my, uh, my, my reading is like, I read, you know, 10 books on the book of first Peter when we walked through first Peter this summer. So I don't have like, you're the one I go to for the leadership recommendations now, Todd. Okay. Well, give me, give me a good pastoral book then. Give me good. Good. Uh, yeah. Oh man. Um, okay. Um, I mean, I don't want to, you know, I always reckon, I always hesitate just saying one because then someone's going to read it and, and I, it's gotta be a top, like those top five I recommended are really, are really high up on the list. Um, okay. I'll just say this then. Um, you've heard me say on the podcast once or twice, read beautiful constraint. And yes. so you heard that great recommendation from Eric Geiger to read beautiful constraint it is not one that you would find, uh, in anybody else's list. So please, um, do that. It will help you in peacetime and in war, uh, lead through and lead past the yeah. keepers of the status quo on your staff and within your organization. That's great. Um, and just, so, just so I'm answering the question, you know, that I'm reading, I'm looking at the, cause I don't want to dodge. Uh, I have read a lot of Ed Welch in preparation for this anxiety series in a couple of weeks. He's a Christian psychologist and counselor. And so he's written a lot of great work on his, his book called depression is in the, was a really humbling and encouraging read for me. Um, I learned a lot. And so, sorry, Todd, I'm not the leader that you once knew, buddy. I'm, I'm just, I'm just preacher Eric now. He's still reading though. He had to answer the question. I am still reading. And he was looking, he looked a while. So there's a lot of books. That he yeah. There's a lot of books over there. I saw him yeah. squinting. I saw him squinting across the room. Oh dude, I'm old now, man. My eyes, my LASIK surgery's wearing off. My ankles are sore. <laughs> I, I'm not the guy you knew, Todd. <laughs> I'm not either. All right. Well, um, thanks so much for listening, uh, guys. Please, uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, even if you didn't, stop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.